dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. In 2011, the Vatican issued a guide for Catholic business leaders called the Vocation of the Business Leader. This is an amazing document because in 33 pages, it summarizes the whole teaching of the Catholic Church about business, but does so in a way that's helpful to a Catholic business leader to read in a short time. I want to go through that document and study its six practical principles for business because in short form, it gives us a real guide for our real lives. Welcome back, everybody. I'm glad that you're here again because we have an amazing series that we want to begin here called the six practical principles for business. And the reason I'm saying it's amazing is because it answers some of the most fundamental questions that I hear coming from you all the time. People want to know what difference does it make that I'm Christian or specifically what difference does it make that I'm a Catholic? I mean, here I am. I'm a business leader. That's what I've got to do. Business leader, it means shredding the cheese, putting the cheese on the food, heating the food to this temperature and production, production, production. Let's get out all of the things that we're supposed to be making and doing on a regular basis. It has nothing to do with my faith. A lot of people feel this way. You could take pretty much any field and say, you know, in the end, what does my job, what do I do, what I do every single day, what does this have to do with my faith life? It seems like the faith life speaks a different language. It seems to have a different purpose, an otherworldly purpose, right? Talking about going to heaven, talking about having an eternal communion with God. And And most of us are fine with that. Most of us want that. But we have a hard time bringing that to bear with the, the demands and the scrutiny and the pressure and the decisions that make up the majority of our time. I mean, it's one thing to talk about love and charity uh, in church. It's another thing when your employees are messing you over. And, you know, when the people that you're supposed to be managing refuse to work for you or stealing from you or stabbing you in the back with false claims. I mean, it seems like it's all fun and games until it gets real. And when those things are happening, you know, to hear and an, uh, a language coming from the church that's very theological and very biblically focused at best, you know, it, it just kind of seems too otherworldly. And so what usually happens to us, it's not that we turn our backs on the faith. It's that we just have, uh, we put it on a shelf and we say, it's, it's a world that I just don't have time for right now, literally because I'm trying to keep the restaurant open (laughs) and we are short staffed and we are facing the holidays, you know? And so, and and I can understand that. And I want you to know that the church understands that as well. That's why in one of the documents in particular, I want to look at with you called the vocation of the business leader. You have a wonderful example of the church actually getting it right and speaking the language of business for people in business. And yes, we can apply this if we're at home, if we, you know, we can apply this in our leadership 
all over the spectrum. But specifically, it sure is nice to hear the Catholic Church coming out and saying, for all Christians, these are principles that help you to understand where your faith intersects with what you need to do. And it's because it's absolutely vital that we overcome this divided life syndrome. And, 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 I'll, and I'll refer to it that way because it is like a syndrome. You, you, when you separate your faith from your business and the rest of your life, you actually deprive your business, your work, the people that you work with, and the eight to 12 hours a day that you're spending doing that business of all of the light and the power and the grace that comes from your faith and vice versa. You, when you separate the two, all of your faith becomes separated from the realism that you live on a daily basis. I mean, how, how much more would it mean to hear Jesus say, love your enemies and do good to those who hurt you when you're actually facing a situation where your staff, your employees behind you are actually turning on you, spreading rumors about you, saying false things about you that could even jeopardize your position in the company. Obviously, suddenly when the Lord says that, you're on your knees with the realism coming at your faith, asking your faith to be equally real. And sometimes that's really what's necessary to make our faith life mean something more to us. The more that our, we are in our faith and our faith is in us, the more that it means to us. This is the beautiful thing that the church insists on. When you separate those two out and you create two different worlds, you starve both of them. The fact is, your faith life needs your business life. It needs your work life. It needs your professional life. Because otherwise, it won't mean anything to you. And I can say this because as a priest, it's one of the hardest things for us to overcome. We can preach and preach and preach till we're blue in the face and people yawn. <laughs> we see you when you're out there in the pews, everybody. <laughs> because while you're looking at us during the homily, we're looking at you. And we can be up there just all excited and saying all kinds of things. And it makes no difference to the average person sitting there because the average person sitting there is not being honest with us. We're bringing the faith and all of its beauty to you in the homilies. But you're sitting there not bringing the realism of what you're facing into the church. You've made a divided life so that you can like, yes, Father, whatever you say is going to be beautiful. Whatever you say is going to be true. But you're looking at your watch because deep down inside, what you're really worried about is the board meeting on the, you know, the next day that you've got to get a presentation ready for or you're going to lose your position or the board meeting where you've got a huge opposition and you've got to figure out how to overcome it or else the company is going to go down and all of your inheritance with it and so forth. I mean, we get right through. Now, what would be the difference if you were to actually take those concerns and say, that's why I'm in this homily? I'm going to this church. I'm going to this mass because I have these real needs and I'm looking for answers. Well, on the one hand, you would find them. And on the other hand, you would also elevate us priests because when we know that our people are counting on us to really address the real things that we're really bringing to mass, we're going to rise to the occasion. I think one of the reasons why it's hard for us as priests to preach is because we don't really know who, what we're supposed to say. We're looking out there and we're not seeing honesty coming from the people. 
And the people who aren't being honest aren't going to hear an honest presentation of the gospel in the sense of a real, the real challenging ones that we need to hear. So both of us can up our game by bringing into our faith all of the realism of our business. And then, gosh, can you just imagine what your businesses would look like if you could bring all of the values and the belief and the, the truths that you hold in your heart into them? And, I, and you say, well, how do I do that? These are the six practical ways that you can do that. The Vatican gave us this wonderful list and it's grouped them into three different groups, right? And the first way that we can do this is called meeting the needs of the world through the creation development of goods and services. And I want to talk about that because it has two aspects to it. I'm just going to focus in on just one of those aspects today. But how beautiful to hear the church come out and meet us with that news that the very things that we do actually we can do in the name of God. And the business that we run is an act of service that we can provide to the world in the name of God. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. There's a Catholic expression that I like very much. They call it the Catholic imagination. I just, I love that term. It comes to us from the world of literature right, where people have time to sit and think of neat expressions like that. <laughs> the Catholic imagination, right? But the Catholic imagination is a term that refers to the power of the truth of our faith in terms of images or expressions or cultural manifestations, right? So it's not just truth in a kind of theological or dry way, but it's what that truth looks like, what it feels like, what change it actually produces in the world. And so some of the themes of the Catholic imagination would be imagine what power it means to say that God is with us, just for, as an example, right? Or to say that the word was made flesh. Well, all of a sudden you could say, well, I mean, if God really was made flesh, we'd have wonderful things called the sacraments. <laughs> For example, like wouldn't, wouldn't that, that's a Catholic imagination, right? The sacraments. What's the sacrament mean? It means that in the visible, tangible realities of the world, the invisible power of Jesus Christ and the invisible presence of Jesus Christ is always and really manifest. When the priest says, I absolve you from your sins, you are literally absolved from your sins broken from your sins and you say oh no i mean that's just a symbol and that's a neat thing we as catholics can say no no, no. welcome to the catholic imagination and the catholic imagination this actually is truth and so when the priest says it it happens it's so marvelous that we want to mute that light by saying well it's just symbolic or you hear so many catholics say i don't need it you know i don't know why i need to go to a priest for confession and you're like I mean, on the one hand, you're totally wrong because Jesus himself said, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven and whosoever sins you hold bound are held bound. So after that, you can talk to Jesus because he obviously wants you to go to the apostles, to the priests who have the authority to forgive sins. But on the other hand, just how boring you're choosing to make your life. I mean, think how wonderful it would be. How wonderful it would be 
If there really was a place you could drive to right now and a person in front of whom you could kneel right now and get rid of all of the baggage that you've been carrying for the past 20 years about all the failures and all of the brokenness that's in your life, wouldn't you do it? You sure would. Well, as you're driving right now, I want you to go to the nearest Catholic church, just turn off the highway there, drive to that Catholic church and find your nearest priest because welcome to the wonderful truths of our faith. He can, in the name of God, forgive your sins by that expression, I absolve you from your sins. That's just one example of the Catholic imagination. I want to give you another. Another example of the Catholic imagination. Imagine if you were called by Almighty God to be a business leader. <laughs> You're like, that takes some imagination. <laughs> because for most of us, it, it, you know, we're walking around in business feeling kind of guilty because we're the ones that are supposed to be doing everything for money, everything for profit. We're supposed to be the people that are making the world bad and not good. And I just want to say, you got to get that chip off your shoulder. I don't know who put it there, although most likely it's church people and most likely it's theologians and priests in your world who have done that to you. What most people try to do in our culture today is make an opposition between God and the world and between money and the gospel and between the rich and the poor. And whenever you see that kind of opposition being made, be careful. Because yes, there has to be correction done on both ends to make sure that both the poor are sanctified and the rich are sanctified, etc. But but in, when you oppose the two and say those who are in business are the problem, you recognize you're not in the light of truth. Every aspect of truth has to be organic and held together by its opposite to understand the full complexity of a reality. But when you divide that reality into two, then idealize the two positions and vilify one of them, you're in the presence of an intelligence that's no longer true. And it's an intelligence that's manipulative, usually for a political end. And so people will end up saying stupid things, really. They'll be like that business somehow is the problem and is causing poverty, right? And so you end up saying, well, since I know that God loves the poor, I feel guilty for being rich. I feel guilty for trying to make a profit. Is profit-making, a profit-seeking, even compatible with the gospel? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is. Is there limits to it? Does it need to be corrected? Absolutely. But can you throw making a profit out? And the answer is not without ceding control to the government, not without losing your innate human rights, and not without, according to history anyway, reducing the amazing prosperity that your business can generate also for others. Well, then how is it that that's done? And the very first way that you can, in fact, hold your head up high and have that beautiful truth be spelled out to you in a way that invites innovation and courage is to say, God is calling me to do what I'm doing. And, and I think that takes a lot of courage. Because most people that I've spoken with don't seem to really believe that what they're doing has as much value as it actually does. 
I remember one time I was giving a class, for example, to young adults, and I began my, my, my talk by asking the ones in the audience, tell me, tell everyone what you do. I think it's important for everyone to take pride in what they do. And so they went around the room and we got to the end, everyone's nurses or physical therapists or whatever they are. And then they get to the, around the corner and these two young ladies kind of put their head down a little bit and they said, well, you know, we do, uh, we do industrial contract work. And I said, well, what kind of contract work? And they kind of looked around. They said, well, we, we put sewage systems into buildings. And they had their heads down in a, in a demeanor as if they weren't proud of that. So afterwards, I went over there to them and I, and I just kind of engaged them on the subject. And in fact, they weren't real proud of it. They're like, well, you know, it's not as good as what these other people are doing. And I said, listen to me. I want you to hear this loud and clear. If the world needs to have safe delivery of sewage out of buildings, and without that, the health of the world would be impaired, and not only the health, but the convenience of, of so much of our life would be impaired, don't you see what you're doing as an extension of God's work in the world? I mean, don't you think that if God was in the world and we needed sewage, God would find a way to get sewage disposals out of buildings? And they looked at me like with their eyes big, and I said, you're actually doing God's work because without you, our world would not function nearly as well. It would actually be really impeded in more ways than one. And, and, I, and I think about that for so many of our trades that we tend to look down on even in ourselves. I mean, let's just go through a real quick list here from sales to office work to executive assistant work to nursing to cleaning buildings, to building buildings, to put roof on buildings, to put electrical work into buildings. You could go through all the different forms of business. And if we look at them as if they were there in order to make a profit, we're not using our Catholic imagination. Profit is not the goal. Profit is the fruit, but it's the fruit of doing something that has a value in and of itself that's greater than its profit. Welcome to lo looking at the same world and working in the same world with a different perspective. You look at it from the principle, the principle that the work that I'm doing has a value that has been sanctioned and sanctified by God, and therefore I'm doing His work. Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stgiantleadershipnetwork.org slash r-events and join for free today. You know, all of us have to do work every day. All of us have to get up every morning and go in to the office. All of us have a task to accomplish. Regardless of your faith, your nationality, your political creed, it's all the same thing for all of us. The question is how you do it. And there is a way that Christians work that is the envy of the world. We have an imagination, an imaginative force, a way of looking at the world that's frankly quite attractive. And that imaginative force is to say, God loves business and God loves me doing business because by business, I'm actually serving his world. This truth goes all the way back to the book of Genesis in the Bible where God finishes creation, but then curiously puts man in the garden with the commission by God to till the earth and to keep it. And you say, well, till the earth and to keep it, that means to make it bear fruit, right? So he creates man as a worker in the world 
I was a worker in the field. And it's like almost like saying, God, why isn't your creation just perfect without my work? But it's not perfect without his work. God actually puts man in the world in order to work because by his work, he continues God's own work of creation. What a vision. I mean, what an uplifting thought that in fact, the reason I'm pushing the papers around on my desk and the reason why I'm tabulating all these figures again is because in some very small way, I'm making the world better. I'm actually bringing the world to a greater level of advancement than it would have if I wasn't doing that. Heck, I'm not just an average person looking for money. I mean, and if you are, you, can, you need to change that perspective. You're not supposed to just be working for money. Money's a great thing. Your profit's a great thing. But it's a fruit. It's an effect. It's not the goal. The wonderful truth of the church is that when you are working as a member of the body of Christ, your work itself has value. And you could say, well, no, I'd like to have more value in my work. All right, that's a fair way to put it. More value in your work, looking for a different position, looking for a different career, looking for a different profession. Fine, you can go for all of that because there is a hierarchy of the values. And the more that the work is intensely connected to the human person, well, the more value that that work has intrinsically. But that might not be where God has put you. And that might not be where your talents are called to serve. Every aspect of authentic human work, however, does contribute to the advancement of the society and the advancement of the world from clean and safe buildings to clean and safe roads to law enforcement that keeps crime at bay and so forth and so on. You could think of what you're doing more than how much you make from what you do. And by focusing in on what you're doing more than how much you make from it, you open what you do to the power of your faith life and also, frankly, the power of your family life. And, and so the very first thing all of us need to do, I think, is to look concretely at our daily tasks and ask ourselves, am I looking at this in the right perspective? Yes, I want profit and yes, I want money from it. And I want a lot of profit and a lot of money. Fine. But if that's the perspective that you're taking into it, you're actually limiting yourself. You can have something even more powerful motivating you. And that is, do I take pride in what I'm doing? At the end of the day, can I look at what I've done and say, this is my gift back to God? And you say, well, it's not as big of a gift as I'd like to give. Well, that's beautiful that you say that. Good. You know, you can always give more in many different ways. But at the same time, is it still a gift? Can I look at what I do every single day and say, this is my act of service to God? And some of you still can't, but that's because you're lacking that Catholic imagination I was talking about earlier. That ability to look actually and understand I'm continuing the work of the creator. If God was on the earth and he had to take care of six screaming kids in the living room, God would probably have invented jello. <laughs> well, so God's like, well, I'm not in that living room directly. I put you there. And so mom, what are you going to do? And the kids are just screaming and you're like, I'm going to make some jello. Good. 
At that moment, you're actually doing what God himself would have done if he had six screaming kids in the living room, right? And it's the same thing in our world, right? The tax man, some of people work in the tax industry and they always feel guilty for that. And yet think about what the tax industry actually does. It ensures that certain services get rendered to the poor and ensures that the stability of a nation can endure. And so I look at my job very differently. Law enforcement, same thing, and so forth. You can go right down the insurance adjusters in our world. What an important role that actually is to do your job and to do it well. Because when insurance is rendered well, people are left with security to enable them to take the risks they have to take and our, and our society and our economy is maintained. This is a very big deal. Because economy is not just about profit, as we all know. It's about the goods and services being shared equitably and distributed as wonderfully as possible through channels that benefit those who give and those who produce and those who receive all in fairness. What an amazing concept. But it takes good insurance adjusters. It takes people who are ethical and who do their jobs well. And so where does this leave us? Well, the six practical principles for business that the Catholic Church issued in 2011 puts the very first one as the bedrock. And that's to understand that what I'm doing, I'm doing in the name of God. And that what I'm doing, I'm doing as my mission and yes, as a vocation. That God has put me here to run this business. If I can put that first... I then allow myself the ability to have all kinds of ethics that come from that. If this is really supposed to be God's work and my offering back to him, well, then of course there are ethical standards that surround it. And of course there are ways that I could do it better. And of course, suddenly my faith life needs to be brought into it. And this needs to be brought into my faith life. Suddenly I've made that bridge. And this is what I want to encourage all of you to do, starting right now, to look concretely at what you have to do today and to become proud of it. Obviously, it's not the be-all and end-all of my life. But if I can't put my name proudly attached to what I do, then there's something wrong in the way that I'm looking at what I'm doing. Not only was Jesus the son of Mary, but he was also the son of a carpenter. Simon Peter was a fisherman. St. Andrew was a fisherman. St. Matthew was a tax collector. St. Paul was the maker of tents. In many ways, great or small, all of us contribute to the world that we have. And the businesses that we produce build up the world that is around us, the world that we participate in. This is why God has you at its forefront and why God has you right where you are. You know, I'll leave you with this. St. Francis de Sales puts it beautifully. Be who you are and be that well. Well, Catholic business leader, be who you are and be that well. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.